Have you ever heard about Mount Weather? I have not. In Virginia? Where is it? What is it? Mount Weather? Happen? I've heard of Mount Weather or not. Is there such a place? There is such a place. I just, you know, every day I wake up, I'm totally amazed at the stuff that I absolutely know nothing about, and this is one of them. And as you're about to find out, that's probably just what the government wants to hear from you. In the United States, there are many underground facilities. Uh, some of them are deeply buried and very high-tech, and I might add, other countries have them as well. The Federal Emergency Management Agency is perhaps the best known. Um, they do devote a sizable amount of resources to operating their underground installations all around the country. Mount Weather is one of the largest ones uh, built back in the 1950s. It's under a mountain not far from Washington, D.C. It can accommodate a large number of people, hundreds of people, a couple thousand or more when it's in button-up status. It's uh, really quite elaborate. Uh, Mount Weather? Well, we have, uh, we have a training facility there. We have, uh, we have uh, an area there where uh, in a disaster, we have three parts of the country where people can call in if they've been in, impacted by a disaster, can call an 800 number, and they can actually register for disaster assistance. We call it a teleregistration center. And that we have one of those out in, in Mount Weather, and we have one on the, uh, in uh, Maryland, and we have one in uh, Denton, Texas as well. Is it public record, and therefore can you tell me how many people can be safely put into the underground bases that exist in the United States? No. Can you tell me why you can't tell me? No. They, but FEMA must know the figure of how many people it can store underground in the event of a nuclear attack. I don't know the answer to that question. Now, despite us actually seeing Mount Weather for ourselves, the folks here in Washington are actually being quite tight-lipped about the situation. In fact, published reports indicate that FEMA is no longer even acknowledging Mount Weather's existence. Now, one of the reasons for that could be if there was a major catastrophic event here at the nation's capital, Mount Weather may take over as our second form of government. As our second form of government. As our second form of government. to nwczradio.com channel one's down the rabbit hole my name is big d and i am solo today Rand and i tried to do a show together but we had all kind of technical problems getting connected don't know why but he was also very busy this weekend so it worked out so it's just you and i and hey i'm happy to be here we have a very very interesting topic today it sounds like a james bond movie a spy novel, all these things wrapped up in one, bases inside of mountains, shadow governments, governments ready to take over, only this is not a movie, real life. We're going to be talking about Mount Weather and what FEMA has to do with it, exactly what it is, where it is, and what's going on there. But before we get into that, I want to remind you that you can always check us out on Fringe Radio Network, FringeRadioNetwork.com, and you can email us at DownTheRH at ProtonMail.com. Now, before we get into today's topic, I've had several people email me wondering about the Uvalde shooting, what we thought of it, and we're not really ready to chime in on that. Yet, it's a story, and I've talked about this before on my midweek show. Sometimes you just have to let a story play out. You have to let a story breathe, as they say. It's a story that's in progress. Yes, there's a lot of weird things about it. And I do have questions. I'm sure it was real. I would never go out like Alex Jones and say this was set up, it was fake. But there are questions, and there's nothing wrong with asking those questions. I did find this interesting because doing the research for the topic of today, 
William Cooper, who we've covered on here, wrote a book called Behold a Pale Horse. And in chapter 12, on page 225 of The Secret Government, he wrote this. Now, remember, he wrote this in the, in the early 90s. He said, The government encouraged the manufacture and importation of military firearms for the criminals to use. This is intended to foster a feeling of insecurity, which would lead the American people to voluntarily disarm themselves by passing laws against firearms, using drugs and hypnosis on mental patients in a process called Orion, the CIA inculcated the desire in these people to open fire on schoolyards and thus inflame the anti-gun lobby. This plan is well underway and so far is working perfectly. The middle class is begging the government to do away with the Second Amendment. I'm not saying that's what's going on. I just find it interesting that William Cooper wrote that in the 90s, and we've been seeing it play out. So you take that for whatever it's worth. It's always interesting to look back and see what people were talking about and what they were discussing and see how it pertains to today. I also have other questions. We'll get into it when we talk about the whole issue at some point. But my biggest question is, how does a guy who just turns 18, living in a really small town, and from all accounts, had maybe a part-time job, lived with his grandparents, and so forth, all of a sudden one day have like $10,000 to go buy a couple of high-powered rifles, massive ammunition, and a bunch of side money to go buy a truck. Things aren't adding up. In the whole situation, if you've been following it with the police who showed up and stood around, actually put one of the moms in handcuffs just because she was yelling at them to do something. So there are a lot of questions, a lot of questions there. And again, I'm not saying it is this or it is that. I'm just saying I have questions. That's really the only answer I can give right now. We'll see how things play out and we'll see what we can get to the bottom of on that. Now, let's get to today's topic at hand, which is Mount Weather. And Mount Weather is a real thing. And it's located in Bluemont, Virginia. It's about 1,725 feet above sea level. It has about 85 acres, and it's located 45 miles west of Washington, D.C., what does that have to do with anything? Well, for a long time, nothing. Not until December 1st, 1974, when a TWA Boeing 727 jet crashed into the side of the mountain. It burned and killed all 92 people aboard. And while the news people were filming and the helicopters were circling around, they noticed this fenced government reserve. And if you've ever been to Area 51 or if you've ever been to any of the more secretive U.S. bases or properties, you will notice there's a square sign that has a red, white, and blue shield on it that says property of the U.S. or property of the United States. Do not enter. They're all over. And so people started asking questions. What is this place? Nobody even knew it existed outside of those who were in the know. Rumors started swirling, and what we found out is that it is a huge, massive complex in the side of the mountain for emergencies and or if everything hits the fan, they are to take all the president, vice president, and a select number of senators, congressmen, whatever. I don't know who's on the list and usher them to this place. Now, there's rumors that there's a tunnel to and from the White House underground. There's also rumors that the whole, there's a whole side of the mountain that opens up, kind of like a James Bond movie, and helicopters have been seen going in and out. It's about six or seven levels deep, some people say. It is a massive complex. What we do know since its discovery, is that in this mountain, there are 20 multi-story buildings. A water reserve 200 feet across these huge water reservoirs and reserves. 
it goes about 300 feet, like the whole complex goes about 300 feet below the surface. There's a sewage treatment plant for long-term survival. There's a hospital. There's a broadcast studio where the president can keep the U.S. citizens and whoever else posted and prepared for whatever it is that's coming. There's a crematorium. There's enough supplies for 200 personnel for a month, and there are enough beds around the complex for 2,000. And you're not invited, and neither am I. As we get into this, you will see why they have this thing. Now, one of the things that's interesting about this that I discovered is that right now, and I don't know how far back this goes, but it is confirmed that there is a basically what they call like a shadow government. There's somebody there that they call the president. There's somebody in there that they call the vice president. There's somebody in there that they call the speaker, the secretary, on and on and on down. And they, they claim that they're just role players and that they as they walk around, they're supposed to be addressed as such, Mr. President, Mr. or Mrs. Vice President, whoever. Nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows how they got there. Nobody knows how they were picked. And it's their job to go around this complex and basically act as a shadow government. There was a time where several top officials were ushered there, and that was during the 9-11 tax. When 9-11 happened, they scooped up a bunch of congressmen, a bunch of important people in Washington, D.C., and they did usher them to this mountain. There were rumors about this place well before it became, well, they sort of got outed and they had to start answering questions. In 1962, there was a spy thriller called Seven Days in May where the Joint Chiefs of Staff were plotting to overthrow the U.S. president. And in this book... Apparently, the author described Mount Weather to a T as if he had been there or was an insider or something. Also, there was another book written called Seven Days in May, where Washington journalists who learned a lot about the then quiet secret post wrote this book. And apparently, the, the novel gives detailed highway directions from Washington how to get there. And a lot of people have taken that and drawn a map. And so... Several people knew about this supposed base or operations center before it was actually made public. There was a point where the government asked the local paper not to print any articles about the facility. Much like Area 51, there were trucks rolling in when they were building this. It was a massive operation, as you can imagine. And all of that was going on in the mid-50s. According to documents, it became in use in about 1959. So imagine how long they had to start before that to get this thing cranked up. There's also rumors that there are missiles in there, thus the side of the mountain opening, that they have entertained UFOs there, that all kind of crazy things happened. These are all rumors. I don't know. It's unsubstantiated. It was originally a weather station in the late 1800s. The underground facility was designated Area B. And then in 1979, FEMA established training facilities on the mountain surface, Area A, in 1979, probably as a cover. The above-ground portion of the FEMA complex is at least 434 acres. This measurement includes a training area of an unspecified size. Area B, the underground component, contains 600,000 square feet. According to the Washington Post, after the September 11 attacks, most of the congressional leadership were evacuated to Mount Weather by helicopter. Also of note, between 1979 and 1981, the National Gallery of Art developed a program to transport valuable paintings in its collection to Mount Weather via helicopter. The success of the relocation would depend on how far in advance warning of an attack was received. So they decided, hey, rather than wait, let's just load up all this art that, and who knows what else. That, that's just one of the stories I saw. That they loaded up all this, I assume, 
invaluable art that can't be replaced and probably there's there's no price tag on it and they moved it there in 1983 house majority leader tip o'neill and representative ed markey confirmed that there were contingency plans for the relocation of the united states government in the event of a nuclear war or major disaster if you go to the fema website it says mount weather emergency operations center according to fema the Mount Weather Emergency Assistance Center is located in Virginia, high in the Blue Ridge Mountains, west of Washington, D.C. The site was first used by the Department of Agriculture's Weather Bureau as a meteorological balloon and kite launch facility in 1902. Known as Mount Weather, today the center is a hub emergency response activity providing FEMA and other government agencies space for offices, training, conferences, operations, and storage. Mount Weather is currently home to eight major FEMA functional groups. These groups are the Virginia National Service Center, the Disaster Finance Office, Disaster Information Systems Clearinghouse, Disaster Personnel Operations Division, Agency Logistics Center, Conference and Training Center, Information Technology Services Division, and the Mount Weather Division. What's interesting about the Conference and Training Center is it says here, the Conference and Training Center, the CTC, provides training facilities to support FEMA training activities as well as other federal agency training and conferencing. The CTC offers nearly 35,000 square feet dedicated to classroom training and currently averages 32,000 student days of training per year. And if you don't know about the FEMA camps, I mean, it's pretty well documented. They have these FEMA centers that are ready to roll in case there's an emergency, a disaster, that they can usher people into these camps and supposedly take care of them. Of course, a lot of conspiracy theorists will say that is not what's going to happen. And we heard a lot about this during the COVID response. When governments and officials started talking about COVID camps and putting people away who didn't want to get vaccinated, a lot of these FEMA camps came back into the forefront. People assumed that they may treat them like the internment camps, that because they do have full authorization, it is in the documents, that once you step into a FEMA camp, they basically own you. They can do what they want. They have their own rules, their own laws. You may get out, you may not. And so this... Mount Weather, this secret underground complex, on the top of it is where FEMA does all of its training. Also of note, in March 1976, the Progressive Magazine published an astonishing article entitled The Mysterious Mountain. The author, Richard Pollack, bases investigative report on Senate subcommittee hearings and upon, quote, several off-the-record interviews with officials formerly associated with Mount Weather. His report in a 1991 article in Time magazine entitled Doomsday Hideaway supply a few compelling hints about what's going on in the underground. Quote, Mount Weather is a virtually self-contained facility. Above ground, scattered across manicured lawns are about a dozen buildings with antennas, microwave relay systems, and so forth. It has an on-site sewage treatment plant with a 90,000-gallon-a-day capacity and two tanks holding 250,000 gallons of water, which could last some 200 people more than a month. So underground ponds hold additional water supply. Not far from the installation's entry gate, it's a control tower and a helicopter pad. The mountain's, quote, real secrets are protected by warning signs, 10-foot high chain link fences, razor wire, and armed guards. The government has owned the site since 1903. It has seen service as an artillery range, a farm during the Depression, and a National Weather Bureau facility. In 1936, the U.S. Bureau of Mines took control and started digging. Mount Weather is virtually an underground city, according to some former personnel. Some of the amenities as I've talked about, private apartments and dormitories, streets and sidewalks, cafeterias, a hospital, water purification system, power plant, general office buildings, a small lake fed by fresh water, from underground springs, its own massive transit system, and a TV communication system. 
The facility, according to this article, is the operational center of approximately 100 other federal relocation centers, most of which are concentrated in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, and North Carolina. Together, this network of underground facilities constitutes the backbone of America's, quote, continuity of government program. In the event of nuclear war declaration or of martial law or other national emergency, the president, his cabinet, and the rest of the executive branch would be relocated to Mount Weather. Now, the amazing thing is there have been many, many reporters, and, and I'm talking from the major networks all the way down to private reporters, investigative reporters, who have asked probably every politician that's rolled through Washington about this at some point. And they generally say they either don't know about it or they're, at, they're not at liberty to describe precisely what the role is and what the mission is, that they don't have the information or they're just not allowed to talk about it. Very few in the government will even talk about it. According to an article I read, the Russians know about it. Quote, few in the U.S. government will speak of it, though it is assumed that all along the Soviets have known both its precise location and its mission. Defense experts take it as a given that the site is on the Kremlin's targeting maps. So it's a secret to you and I, but apparently it's not a secret to the Russians and probably China and everybody else who <laughs> is in the know. Because this is what they do. This didn't just get built by gracious people, hardworking people who figured that the president and some the politicians needed a place to go. These were tax dollars. So as you work, as you pay your taxes, and as you vote and you root for your person in politics... They are taking our money, and they're doing stuff like this with it. They are building bunkers for themselves. If they do anything for us, according to FEMA, they're just going to round us up and put us in camps. I mean, this we're not going to get high-rise buildings and cafeteria and all these amenities. And I, I looked up what this mountain was made of because why would they choose this mountain? That's because it is carved out of Precambrian basalt. We talked about carbon dating last week. Well, Precambrian basalt is very, 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 very old rock. It's before the, obviously, Precambrian, before the Cambrian period. It's basically the toughest granite in the United States, almost impenetrable. And it operates as a jammer. Planes flying over who are trying to pick up people, movement, any kind of radio waves, any kind of sign of life. Well, they might on the surface where the FEMA camps are, but they're not going to find, they don't know what's going on underneath. With the exception of the Russians, the Chinese, and whoever else. But you and I have no clue, and... For the most part, they feel safe under there, and that's the whole idea. Now, what's the deal with this government in waiting? That is one thing that has completely intrigued me. So according to several articles that I read and Bill Cooper's book, Behold a Pale Horse, he, he has a whole chapter describing this entire thing. Inside Mount Weather and in this underground city, it contains a total parallel government, quote, in waiting. High-level governmental sources speaking in the promise of strictest anonymity supposedly told reporter that each of the federal departments represented at Mount Weather is headed by a single person on whom is conferred the rank of a cabinet-level official. Protocol even demands that subordinates address them as Mr. Secretary or Mr. President or so forth. Each of the Mount Weather, quote, cabinet members is apparently appointed by the White House and serves an indefinite term. So we don't know who these people are. There's no record of them. 
We don't have names. Supposedly, the White House appoints them, but who in the White House? We have no idea. At least I don't. I don't know. The facility attempts to duplicate the vital functions of the executive branch of the administration. Nine federal departments are replicated within Mount Weather, and those would be agriculture, commerce, health, education and welfare, housing and urban development, interior, communications commission, selective service, federal power commission, civil service commission, and the Veterans Administration. So all of those are represented within this government in waiting. Supposedly, the Federal Reserve and the U.S. Post Office, both private corporations, also have offices in Mount Weather. These cabinet members that are apparently appointed by the White House raise a lot of questions as to are they the actual shadow government? Because according to every source that I read, these people who are given these positions, they hang on to them through several elected administrations. Doesn't matter if a Republican's in office, Democrat's in office, Independent's in office, it doesn't matter. These people, once they're appointed, they stay in this position for several administrations. And if they truly are being appointed, it makes you wonder, why are these people appointed without us voting on it, without any kind of public advice or any kind of consent? Is it voted on in the House, the Senate? Is it, is it even brought up? We don't know. According to this author Pollock, he says, quote, as might be expected, there is also an office of the presidency at Mount Weather. The Federal Preparedness Agency, which is FEMA, apparently appoints a special staff to the presidential section, which regularly receives top-secret national security estimates and raw data from each of the federal departments and agencies. So I have questions about this as well. If there is somebody there who's acting as president and they have representatives of all of these departments of the United States, are they actually, if something were to go wrong and our president was to be killed or let, let's say bomb drops on Congress, bomb drops on the White House, or something's happening and they're in helicopters en route to Mount Weather and they go down, does this shadow government take over? And or are they pulling the strings now? Why do they have all this information? Why do they get updates? Who are they? You have to ask these kind of questions. Because this is not a conspiracy. This is actually what's happening. This is a real thing. So what do they do in this facility? What, what exactly is going on? Of course, a lot of it is speculation, and a lot of it is supposedly told to reporters under the radar. But I collected some of what is being said, and I thought we would, well, let's look into it. And again, I can't confirm this. This, again, is not official. This, these are not official statements by the government or anything. But one of the things that they do do, and FEMA talks about this, so I don't think it's a secret, FEMA does confirm that they do this, is they collect data on American citizens. The Senate subcommittee in 1975 learned that the facility held dossiers on at least 100,000 Americans. So if that was going on in 1975, imagine what they're doing now with all kind of databases, electronics, the computers, the cameras, everything. According to uh, subcommittee, they concluded that the Mount Weathers databases, quote, operate with few, if any, safeguards or guidelines. So they can do whatever they want. They can just collect data. They can follow you, track you, which leads right into this whole push during the COVID to get the app, get the tracker, be traced, who's collecting the data, where's it going, a lot of people didn't even stop and ask that. They're just like, oh, yeah, it's for safety, it's for health. And they willingly gave up all their information, where they were, who they were with, who they were seeing. 
where they traveled to, on and on and on. We also know that Facebook and Google have willingly given that information to the government. Where is it stored? Probably at Mount Weather. According to sources, the other thing they do there is store necessary information. According to several sources, they maintain files of military installations, government facilities, communications, transportation, energy, and power, agriculture, manufacturing, wholesale, retail services, manpower, financial, medical, and educational institutions, sanitary facilities, population, housing, shelter, and stockpiles. According to this article, this massive database fits cleanly into Mount Weather's ultimate purpose as the command center in the event of a national emergency. Yeah, they want all the information. They want to know everything. They want to know exactly what's going on, where you're at, how much you're making, what you're spending, where you're spending it, where you're driving to, what you're buying, what businesses are doing. And I think that also plays into one of the reasons why they tried to, and they did, kill off so many small businesses. Because small businesses are not as trackable as large businesses. You have a mom-and-pop store. You have a gas station. You're selling snacks and you know, Slurpees and whatever. Well, you can kind of op- operate under the radar and just file your taxes, and you, they don't have to have every transaction detail. But they want it. Another thing that they supposedly do here is they play war games. And apparently, this is the main daily activity of the approximately 240 people who work at Mount Weather. Just like with Area 51, apparently a lot of people have are eyewitness to buses, blacked out windows. They load these people up. They drive them up the mountain. They go through the gate, which is guarded. And they disappear into up into the mountain, come back out later in the day. Nobody knows who they are, where they're going, where they came from, etc. Et I watched a video of a news report. And this was, it looked like it was from the 90s. And a news crew went up there and they were trying to figure out what was going on up at Mount Weather. And they were met by some cops who were not your normal cops, just like at Area 51. It's like a black suburban with blacked out windows a couple of guys jump out want to check all their credentials asked them what they knew about mount weather told them to pack up get out and don't do the report well they did the report but they were chewed out and that's what happens at area 51 if you go there if you get too close they will show up so these guys play war games and what they do is they have a situation room just like in the in the Pentagon. It's the base's nerve center. They chart, map, whatever they need to do, and act as if there's a crisis going on, wars going on, what's going to happen. And the person who's playing the president, the person who's playing the top brass, they go in there and they act this stuff out. Another thing that they do, and this is probably the most concerning for you and I, is they do civil crisis management. They study domestic crises, and they track and watch them. According to this report, quote, officials who were at Mount Weather during the 1960s say the complex was actually prepared to assume certain governmental powers at the time of the 1961 Cuban Missile Crisis and the assassination of President Kennedy in 1963. The installation used the tools of its, quote, civil crisis management program on a standby basis during the 1967 and 68 urban riots and during a number of national anti-war demonstrations. Quote, studies conducted at Mount Weather involve the control and management of domestic political unrest where there are material shortages such as food riots or in strike situations where the FPA determines that there are industrial disruptions and other domestic resource crises. According to this article, the Mount Weather Facility uses a vast array of resources to continually monitor the American people. Quote, we try to monitor situations and get to them before they become emergencies. No expense is spared in the monitoring program. So it's Big Brother. They're monitoring, they're watching, they're tracking They're keeping their eye on everything. And it also makes you wonder, when things do break out, let's say like the riots that happened 
what, about a year ago, where they burned down cities, and there were massive unrest in Portland, Seattle, all around the country. Places being burned, business being burned, looted, robbed. And yet, not a whole lot was being done about it, if you remember correctly. This was during the height of the supposed COVID pandemic, and yet it was okay for everybody to go out there and march and riot and stay out, be in big, huge groups and packs, and that was a-okay. You have to wonder why. If they are really monitoring this, are they picking and choosing what they allow to happen and and what they choose not to happen or prosecute? Just a question. Don't know the answer. One of the other things they do is they maintain and update, quote, the survivors list. Using all the data generated by the war games and domestic crisis scenarios, the facility continually maintains and updates a list of names and addresses of people deemed to be, quote, vital to the survival of the nation or who can, quote, assist essential and non-interruptible services. The last known list, according to this article that I was reading, was seen by somebody, I don't know if it's real or not, but this was in 1976, that the survivors list contained of 6,500 names. So who knows where it's at now? So what does this all mean? What is, uh, what's the deal with this? Well, it's a real place. Mount Weather is real. It does contain this unelected parallel, quote, government in waiting that they're ready to take over the the United States upon, I guess, the demise of the president or his successor or whatever. It contains a massive database of information on you and I, U.S. citizens. It operates with no safeguards or accountability. It has been basically secret and a lot, and most of the information is has been and continues to be withheld from the American people who pay for it, the American public whose money goes to fund it. According to Executive Order 11051, signed by President Kennedy on October 2nd, 1962, quote, national preparedness must be achieved as may be required to deal with the increases in international tension with limited war or with general war, including attack upon America. It was followed up by Executive Order 11490, drafted by General George A. Lincoln and signed by President Nixon in October 1969. Quote, whereas our national security is dependent upon our ability to assure continuity of government at every level in any national emergency type situation that might conceivably confront the nation. Nixon's order, if you read closely, makes no mention of war, imminent attacks, or any kind of general war or specific war, nothing. It just says our national security is dependent upon our ability to assure the continuity of government. So there's a lot of wiggle room in there. Also, according to this article, there is no publicly known executive order outlining the restoration of the Constitution after a national emergency has ended. Unless the parallel government at Mount Weather does not decide out of the goodness of its heart to return power to the constitutional authority, the United States could experience an honest-to-goodness coup d'etat posing as a national emergency. This is why I truly believe that the response, the coordinated response from all the nations to the planned-out scamdemic of COVID was a conditioning. It was a trial run. It was a setup. I knew it from the moment it started, that it was a setup to see who complied, who followed the rules. That's why they wanted to trace and track everybody. That's why they wanted you to stay home. They wanted you to wear masks. They wanted you to stay six feet apart. They wanted you to tell on each other. They wanted you to report each other and they collected all the data. And when I talk about a storm coming, that's because they're still going through this data. They are, tr- they are figuring out where they misstepped, who they need to work on, how they need to turn public opinion against those people, and the next big emergency 
in my opinion, they will ramp it up even more. I don't know if that will be the big one or not, but that is where this is headed. And this is the he- this place, in my opinion, is the headquarters for all of this. This is where it's all going down. And should there be uh, an uprising of the people? Should it? Should there be a, a massive, God forbid, civil war or fight back against what the government is doing to everybody? They will hunker down into this mountain and they will dictate and call the shots from there and FEMA will be their army. I'm not going to say 100% that that is what's going to happen, but it seems to be headed that way. So that is probably a little bit tinfoil hat-ish, but if you connect the dots, that seems to be where this is all going. Also, according to an article I read, on April 16, 1996, the New York Times reported on a mysterious military base being constructed in Russia. In a secret project reminiscent of the Cold War, Russia's building a mammoth underground military complex in the Ural Mountains. Western officials and Russian witnesses say that this is hidden inside Yamantau Mountains, The project involves the creation of a huge complex served by a railroad, a highway, and has thousands of workers. New York Times article quotes Russian officials describing the underground complex as a mining site, a repository for Russian treasure, a food storage area, and a bunker for Russians' leaders in case of nuclear war. According to this article, the Russian parliament knows about as much about the Russian underground base as Congress knows about Mount Weather, Quote, the Russian Defense Ministry declined to say whether Parliament has been informed about the details of the project, like its purpose and costs, saying only that it receives necessary military information. And according to the New York Times, quote, we can't say with confidence what the purpose is, and the Russians are not very interested in having us go in there. It is being built on a huge scale, involves a major investment, of resources. The investments are being made at the time when the Russians are complaining they do not have the resources to do things pertaining to arms control. So the Russians have built one. The United States has built one. This is where when we talk about the elite and we talk about how they don't care about you and I and we could do a whole show on the uber wealthy building bunker houses around the world. People like Bill Gates, Elon Musk, All these super wealthy people are building underground bunkers all around the world. Just look it up. Why? What do they know is coming? What do they know? Why would they put so many resources, time, effort, and money into something like that if they thought everything was okay? Just curious. So if you want to do further research on Mount Weather... A great place to start is William Cooper's book, Behold the Pale Horse. He has an entire chapter on it. I will just say I don't agree with everything that William Cooper writes in his chapter, but a lot of it I do agree with. He claims to have special knowledge, and, and that's one of the things that William, William Cooper has always done, claim to have special knowledge, have seen the plans, have seen the documents and so forth, and none of that can be substantiated which is where I kind of veer away from him in those things. But Mount Weather is a real place. It is where government officials have been ushered there already. And as with most things, what they let out is just the tip of the iceberg as to what's actually going on there, what's actually in there. And if you don't think it's possible, I have a buddy, when I was in college, he went up to Alaska and worked in an Alaskan gold mine. And when he came back and told me about it, he said he made really good money and I should consider going up there. When he told me about it, they basically go underground for six months and they had like a movie theater, a bowling alley, a cafeteria. It was like a mall under the earth. And you get, you go down the mine shaft in an elevator, you walk out, you don't go back up for months and months at a time. Didn't sound interesting to me. I said, no, thanks. So if they can do that on a commercial level, mining for gold or whatever, you don't think the government taking your and my tax dollars 
has no problem setting up shop for them so that they're saved because they're special. See, they're special. They're needed. They, they have to run things. They have to tell us what to do. They have to keep us informed. They have to keep us safe. And it's that kind of rhetoric that hands them all this power. So before we get on out of here, I just, I talk about this on my midweek podcast and I've run across these articles that I just have to share. And it has nothing to do with Mount Weather. So I'm, I'm done talking about that. But these articles just came out May 30th, May 31st, and they were shocking. Absolutely shocking. And I've been talking about this stuff coming and a lot of you thought I was off my rocker. And I don't blame you because it sounded so outrageous. And I've been ringing this bell for probably a year or, or more now because I've been seeing this coming. This, according to the Daily Mail, headline, primary school children in Wales could be offered edible insects, including mealworms and crickets, as scientists urge the next generation to embrace eco-friendly meat substitutes. This is from May 30th, 2022. Scientists hope to feed children food products made from insects. This could include bug protein, bologna, edible crickets, and mealworms. They hope to gauge their opinion on environmental issues surrounding food. The Cardiff University and UWE teams will survey kids, parents, and teachers. The project aims to educate families on the, the nutritional benefits of edible insects. So that's in Wales. According to the Star, same date, May 30th, 2022, British school kids too much on bugs and plant protein during wor workshops. Four Welsh primary schools are set to feed children insect protein in a bid to find out whether or not they respond well to, quote, alternative proteins. According to news report, researchers hoping to use whatever data they find to learn how to best educate children on the benefits of eating creepy crawlies. This investigation will use children aged from 5 to 11. Also from the Daily Star. False bananas and bug flapjacks on the menu by 2050 to combat food shortage. Experts are calling on more superfoods on the shelves to combat food shortages in the future. You might have to eat bugs and lab-grown meat, but hey, at least you're stopping climate change. According to this, the Bank of England has even warned of an apocalyptic food shortage and supply issues which are set to worsen this year. According to experts, we could be eating not only lab-grown meat, but surviving on a diet of insects and even false bananas in the next three decades. According to this article, this could be our only option as climate change causes crop failures worldwide. Well, it's not climate change that's causing the crop failure. I think we've, I think we've established that in other podcasts. And finally, this from metro.co.uk. And I told you this stuff wasn't going to go away, that they were going to, they're, they're going to slowly bring this in to Western civilization the Chinese credit score, digital IDs, and so forth. We thought it was all over with COVID, but nope. May 30th, 2022, according to this, the Metro, UK cinemas start accepting digital ID to verify your age. Major cinema chains in the UK will now accept digital identification as proof of age. UK Cinema Association members, including Cineworld, Odeon, Showcase Cinemas, and View, will be accepting the Yodi digital ID app to verify someone's age. This means that young people 13 and older can prove their age using their smartphones and eliminates the need to carry important ID documents such as passports. So they're going after the kids on this. I think they have realized that people who are above a certain age, and I think this is all part of the data that they collected during the... COVID lockdowns and during all of the, the COVID response, they saw that there's a certain age group who said, nope, we're not going for this. So they're targeting the kids, 
We'll get the kids used to eating bugs. We'll get the kids used to eating fake meat. We'll feed it to them at school. We'll tell them it's good for them. This is the only way to save the planet. Don't you want to do something good? Be a good little kid. And, oh, hey, by the way, you don't need to carry around bulky wallet with your ID and all this stuff. Just put it on this digital app. Just put it on this. They're going to try and get this stuff into the kids, and it seems to be working. You have seen how the younger generation, and I know I sound like an old man, but the teens, the 20s, the phone is attached to their right hand. It's almost surgically attached. They can't go anywhere without it. They're on it constantly. It's their world. It's their life. They would be lost without it. So it's an easy transition. We target them, get them used to it. Then they teach their kids, and next thing you know, it becomes pretty much mandatory. So the game has shifted, in my opinion. Yes, there, it will probably still come at some point for everybody, but the target has shifted, and they know who was complying. They know who was scared. Where did this all happen? I believe it happened at Mount Weather. Because that is their massive data collection base. That's where the shadow government is. That's where they role play all this stuff. And that's where FEMA is headquartered. And all of that tied directly into COVID and the COVID response. And when you ask about it, everyone's silent. When, you, when reporters ask senators, congressmen, Higher-ups in Washington, D.C., nobody knows anything. Everybody clams up. You ask FEMA about it, oh, it's just a training center. What are you worried about? It's where we train people. It's where we have meetings and, you know, we, yeah, we have some data there, but that's just to help us with our jobs when we have to go out uh, during a flood or so forth. Very, very shady. There's a lot of questions, and two and two equals four, and it starts adding up. So, once again, we're left with a lot of questions and a lot of wondering. What's coming up? What's happening? Why is the government lying to us? Why are they hiding things? Why is this stuff not being talked about more? Why is the media not drilling down on it? Why are they not trying to get the bottom of it? Nope. It is a real thing, and it just glides on by. Do some more research on Mount Weather. I encourage you to do so. I hope everybody has a great week. Brandon will be with you on the Midweek Podcast. We thank you very, very much for listening. We do appreciate it. And we really appreciate the fact that a lot of you uh, send this or share this with your friends. We think that's great. We think a lot of people need to hear these things, cause them to think, question, even if they don't believe it, that's fine. It plants a seed, and at some point, Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps they will start wondering too. I'm Big D, and we will meet back here next time. In the meantime, have a great week. I'm out of here.